you want to figure out how can I go out there in the world and feel quote unquote normal. I had the privilege of meeting incredible people that you would really only meet by chance. There's a lot of places on this planet that have humbled the shit out of me. I think the thing that makes you unique and different is the thing that's going to position you for success. I don't shine if you don't shine. I was glowing. You were truly in my damn homeland. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of On She Goes the Podcast. Uh, today is all about politics. Uh, we feel like there's a lot going on, obviously, with uh, the Rona and with many other things happening, and we just want to get to the bottom of things. So today our guest is Ashanti Golar. She is the president of Emerge America and the host of Brown Girl's Guide to Politics, uh, which is a great podcast. She previously served as the National Deputy Director of Community Engagement and Director of African American Engagement for the Democratic National Committee. Ashanti, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Um, so first and foremost, just want to know a little bit about you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Emerge and like how the average person can possibly get involved with Emerge? Absolutely. Emerge was founded in 2002 in California by a group of women who looked around and said, okay, this is supposed to be a great progressive democratic state, but there still aren't a lot of women who are holding office. So they decided to create Emerge, which would focus on recruiting and training democratic women to run for office. That first affiliate was extremely successful and we created Emerge America, the national organization in 2005 to replicate the program across the country. We are now about to be in 27 states with the launch of Texas. And what makes us very unique is we do have an affiliate structure. So we recruit and train women to run for office where they are, and we do a cohort-based training model of about 25 women in each class, and we demystify the process of what it takes to run for office. We talk about creating that campaign plan, hiring your campaign staff, fundraising, public speaking, social media, how to get endorsements, how to work with other organizations that are putting money into campaigns. And we have trained over 4,000 women to run for office. And what makes us, again, very unique is the fact that those women are from all walks of life. These are everyday women who wanted to step up and run and lead in their community. And they came to our program for assistance. And it's one of the things that I appreciate so much about what we do is a lot of people do feel that you have to come from the political family. You have mm -hmm. to have the name recognition. You have to sell fun in order to run for office. And that is not true. All of these women who are in our program, they're your sister, they're your neighbor, they're your aunt. And that is what is important too, is we are making politics, especially elected office, accessible for everyday women. And it seems like on the website that there's, um, pol excuse me, politics for on all levels. Like there's like yeah. senators and congresswomen, and then there's like, you know, uh, school district, like heads, like, you know, things like that. I think that's amazing. 
Yeah, we focus on all levels of office because most people were in the midst of the 2020 presidential election cycle. And that's what a lot of people tend to focus on is they expect for the president and Congress to fix everything. And that's not true. We know that it's the people who are at the state and local level who have the biggest impact on people's everyday lives. There are 520,000 elected offices in this country. Mm. That means there are 520,000 people that we vote for to make decisions for us. Only a fifth of those offices are women. Yeah. Less than 10% of those offices are held by women of color. Wow. And we know that the state and local is where most women start, and then that's where they rise to be able to ascend to the presidency. So an example, Kamala Harris. She started off as a DA in San Francisco, mm-hmm. AG of California, Senator of California, and then run for president. Mm-hmm. So for us, we have to make sure that it's not just about the top of the ticket. It is everything from city council to sheriff to school board wow. to honestly your local dog catcher. Wow, that's really fascinating. See, I had no idea. Hence, this is why you're on this podcast. We we know nothing. Um, We know very little. Um, Also, just real quick on you, I saw that you majored in political science and like served as the president of your College Democrats Club at UNLV. Um, Is that where your political aspirations began, or did you start like you know very young and running for school president and stuff like that in high school, (laughs) things like that? So my love of politics did start when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I was just watching TV with my mom one day and she got up from the couch and I do what young kids do. I'm like, I'm changing the TV to what I want to (laughs) watch. And I came across C-SPAN and I was like, what's going on here? Interesting. You have all of these people arguing and fighting for the betterment of the country. And I was just extremely attracted to it. But also at a young age, I looked and I didn't see a lot of people that look like me. So even then I was wondering, do I even have a place in Mm -hmm. this political system? Mm -hmm. Fast forward to high school, I had that amazing government teacher, Mrs. King, and we had a very high profile Senate race that was happening. She knew both of the candidates and she brought them in. My issue at the time was the minimum wage. I worked a part-time job to have extra money. I knew I had lots of friends who also worked part-time jobs to make extra money, but also to support their family. And I thought we should all be making more money. I asked the one candidate his position on a minimum wage. He said he was all for raising it. I'm like, yes, great. The other candidate, I asked him his position and he said, oh, I voted to raise the minimum wage. I believe in it. Hmm. I let him know that he didn't. (laughs) And he kept arguing with me saying that he did. (laughs) And I responded, sir, I can look at your voting record. You did not vote to raise it. And he just really dismissed me. And it bothered me a lot. Mm -hmm. And my teacher called me over at the end of class. And she said he reached out to me. And I'm just thinking, oh, boy, this isn't going to be good. And he admitted that he did not vote to raise it. And he was mad that I called him out. So this had me thinking, did he treat me that way because I was young, because I was was a girl, because I couldn't vote? All of those things were true. But I knew I could volunteer. 
and I volunteered for his opponent every free moment that I had. And his opponent won that Senate race by 500 votes. And that showed me the power that we all have. I couldn't vote, but I could definitely influence other people's vote. Right. I could help a candidate win. And that put me on this trajectory that I'm on today where I run Emerge and get to wake up every day and empower other women to make change in this country. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you know, that's really interesting because I feel like so many of us feel like we don't have control or like our vote doesn't count or, you know, and I mean, I vote every single time regardless because, I mean, I have the opportunity and people fought for me to have the opportunity, so I'm going to do it. But, um, you know, it's like a lot of times I hear people say, like, it doesn't matter. It's all rigged. It's all a system. You know, like, what are your thoughts on that? It is definitely not rigged. Just using an Emerge example, we have so many women who have lost races by one vote. Mm -hmm. And that's not an exaggeration. We had an alum in Virginia who's running for the House of Delegates. Her race was tied. How you determine a tied election in Virginia is by drawing a name out of a hat. (gasps) Her name was wait, not drawn. Wait, she did not win the race. Yes. These are still some of the laws that are on books. You draw names out of a hat. You do a coin toss. So every single vote does count. Even if we want to look at the Democratic primary, so many people thought that this was going to be in the bag for a certain candidate. He had it wrapped up. And then black and brown voters came in. or was like, nope, we haven't voted yet. You haven't heard our voices. And it changed the trajectory of this race. So for us, yes, voting is an element of it. Mm -hmm. But for me, really owning your political power is how do you get involved and support those candidates? And even if you don't have the time to volunteer physically, there are so many systems in place now where people can make calls from their home. Mm -hmm. Donations are very important, low dollar donations, especially for our black, brown, indigenous women who are on the ballot. Mm -hmm. That is the money that fuels their campaign. So your $5 a month, it may not seem like a lot, Mm -hmm. but if you do a recurring donation and give that candidate $5, $10, $25 a month, that adds up. That is literally money for someone's salary. That is mailers that they can do. Those are social media ads. And I really feel donating is important because when you donate, you do own a small piece of that campaign. Mm -hmm. And I feel that that is so empowering. Mm, That is empowering. Speaking of the 2020 election. Yeah. uh, What what has been your overall opinion of the Democratic primary so far? (laughs) So this one has been a doozy. (laughs) We are about to come to the end of this primary election cycle. And I was doing an interview with one of the reporters from the newspaper. And he has, he asked me, how did we get to this point when we had such a large, diverse field, and then we got down to two older white men. Right. And I let him know what happened was The media defined this race even before any of the candidates got in. Mm. Talking about 2016 in particular, there were two things that we heard. A woman cannot defeat Trump because Mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton didn't win. When in reality, Hillary Clinton got 3 million more votes than Donald Trump, so she did win that election. If we didn't have the electoral college system in place, she would be the president. Mm 
Okay. The other part of that is people saying that Trump's election was a backlash to having the first black president. Mm -hmm. So if we put up a person of color, all that's going to do is fuel Trump. So immediately from the jump, we heard a woman can't win, a person of color can't win. So that automatically defaulted us to white man. Right. Mm. So am I surprised that we got here? No. But one of the things that I talked about in the article is that if you have a candidate that you believe in, stay with that candidate. If they're the closest to the policies that you want to see enacted, like stand for your candidate. Mm -hmm. I literally saw on Super Tuesday just so many people who were hardcore Warren supporters mm -hmm. immediately say, well, I'm voting for Joe Biden because I want to win. And I'm like, damn, y'all ain't loyal at all. Right. <laughs> Flipping so easily. And there's this great shirt that the Warren supporters came out with that said, if you vote for her, she's electable. And mm -hmm. that's what it comes down to, especially for women when they run for office. If you vote for women, they're electable. Mm -hmm. But I always have to go back to the point that for us in politics, be it at any level, being running for office, a campaign staffer, a volunteer, we are playing in a system that was not built for our political participation. Right. This system was built for straight white land-owning men to rule everything. And every time that a woman places her name on a ballot, she is disrupting that system. Mm -hmm. Every time a woman gets elected, there's proof that we have disrupted the system. And there are a lot of people who don't want to see the system disrupted. So it is really upon all of us as the voters to determine what our government is going to look like and to define that change. Mm -hmm. It looks like right now there's so much inter internal party divide. Like even like just in the Democratic Party, I see people, like I'm an avid Twitter user, and I see people constantly attacking each other, Bernie supporters, Warren supporters, mm -hmm. Biden, Biden supporters, supporters yeah. and they're literally like attacking each other. And I'm like, what is happening? You guys like the greater good, you know, like it just feels like there's so much divide. Do you think that's going to have you noticed that? And do you think that's going to be like kind of a downfall for us a little bit? So we always have this divide. Mm -hmm. Like for me, when I started paying you know, close attention to politics. I saw this in 2004. We saw this in 2008. We even saw this in 2016, even though we didn't have that many candidates running. There are there are going to be those people who are very loyal to their candidate and will just do everything possible to get people on their side. So these divides in politics always exist, but we are able to overcome them. And that's how we do get Democratic candidates elected. In the age of social media, I just think it is very amplified. Mm -hmm. Even speaking for myself, I just had to log off of Twitter last night, especially after it became very apparent that Biden was going to win Michigan, which mm -hmm. meant that Sanders literally has no path to victory to get the Democratic nomination. Mm -hmm. People were just all in their feelings. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to bed. I think some of y'all need to go to bed. <laughs> it was just a whole lot. But at the end of the day, it has to be about what is best for the country. And I have to keep it honest here, there are going to be a lot of people who won't vote for Biden in November. Mm -hmm. But what we have to think is those people 
are the people who will always be okay no matter who is in the White House. Right. They have that privilege, Mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter to them. For me, when I vote now, I'm doing pretty good in life, so I vote for my nieces and my nephews. Mm -hmm. So that's who I'm casting the vote for. And I think that's something else people have to keep in mind is that how we vote, especially in November, is going to have a strong impact on future generations. Right. Um, one of the things I want, really wanted to bring up is like the main issues affecting women and people of color, what we should focus on or look at. I see a lot of like, um, I feel like the conversation was a lot about immigration and then mm-hmm. it was about like, you know, business and, and affiliations with China. And now it's like heavily on obviously coronavirus is, is taking mm-hmm. the world by storm. So what are the, what do you feel are the issues that affect women and people of color the most and what we yeah. should focus on? So one of the things I say all the time is, as people in this country, we all do care about the same issues. We just care about different elements of those issues. Okay. So the Black-Brown community, we do care about immigration because there are people from Haiti who are immigrants, from other African countries. So immigration does impact us. We're just not a part of that mainstream conversation. Small businesses does impact us as well because the fastest growing population of small business owners are black and brown women. Mm -hmm. So that's why we see this focus. Essence and the Black Women's Roundtable did a really great survey on the top issues that are important to black women. Mm -hmm. And those top issues were criminal justice reform, college affordability, health care, and living wage. And when we even look at those results, they polled women who are 18 to 34 and then women who are 35 and up. And the difference between how they cared about those issues was really minimal. Mm. So this is what we're thinking about as Black women in particular, but I'm not surprised because especially with criminal justice reform being the top issue, this is a clear response to who is in the White House and everything that we are seeing. At Emerge, we focus a lot on getting women running for law enforcement positions. That includes sheriffs, DAs, judges, because when you look at the criminal justice system, particularly DAs and prosecutors, 90% of them are white men. Mm-hmm. So when we look at our criminal justice system, we shouldn't be surprised that we see what we see because we are the majority of the people in this system, but we're being put in the system and the system is run by people who don't look like us. Right. So when we talk about changing the criminal justice system, that means we have to change the faces of criminal justice reform, which means we need more women, more women of color in these roles. College affordability, not surprised that that's there since black women, we love our education, we love yes, getting we our degrees, yes. but it's also <laughs> important that college is going to be affordable for our kids. We right. want them to have the same opportunities as us. And of course, healthcare. When it comes to breast cancer, we are one of the highest populations. And with a living wage job, those are things that everyone wants, but we specifically know in black, brown, indigenous communities, the high paying jobs aren't there. So we do need jobs that provide a living wage. So those are some of the top issues that black women especially are looking at in this election cycle. What about um, just women's rights in general? Like I know there was like a bunch of things going on with like abortion rights and like I know those are kind of are those more like state by state issues or is it going to be like a federal situation pretty soon? 
So I definitely think those are important issues. They were on the list, but they weren't topping the list for black women. Mm-hmm. I think it was Vote Pro Choice actually put out a survey and NARAL as well that the majority of the people in this country actually do believe in reproductive freedom. Okay. So even though we're having this big discussion, the majority of the country is like, yes, we believe in it. It's those people who are against it. They are the ones who are constantly driving this conversation. Mm, so okay. definitely going into 2020, we do know the Supreme Court is going to be on the table. So a lot of people will be voting with the Supreme Court in mind, but also just with judges in mind. Regardless of if Trump gets reelected or not, his legacy is going to be judges. The number of young, ultra-conservative judges that he has put into place, we're literally going to see the effects of that for 40 to 50 years. Mm -hmm. So our system is literally about to change around all of these issues because that is how he is shaping the country with people who think like him. Ugh. Oh, gosh. That's so terrible to think about. <laughs> um, well, speaking of Trump, um, you know, in the event of a Trump victory, like, honestly, I think the thing I think about the most, because it literally feels like I... I don't know, like next year we'll be in Mad Max. So <laughs> like what is like realistically, what's the worst that can happen? Like how scared do I have to be? And like, you know, my children and like all of these things. <laughs> well, I think the thing is we all have to know we can't stop him. And that is at the ballot box. Just making sure that we are overwhelming the system on election day in November so that he doesn't get the second term. But we also have to be very honest and aware that we do have other countries interfering in our elections. So that will be at play as well because we haven't put into place any systems to stop that interference. Mm -hmm. What we will see if he does get reelected is more of the same. This is what we are going to get. But this is why it's important that people make sure that they vote for their members of Congress because that is going to be the check on a lot of this. Mm -hmm. So we have to make sure that we are putting those measures in place to prevent him just, and I've been telling people, I think he will be completely just insufferable. That man will just be horrible. So we have to make sure that we're doing the best with Congress to put those checks in place, but also at the state and local level to make sure that we do have some protections as well. Mm -hmm. In your political opinion, what is the likelihood that he will be reelected? I mean, if we look at Trump, he does have his base. So when he was saying that he could go out and shoot someone and nothing would happen, he is very right about that because there are those people who, no matter what, will be Trump supporters. There are even people in his base who have said they think he's crazy, this isn't what they expected, but they're still rolling with him because they just committed themselves so much to his presidency that they don't want to change at all. We can look to what we saw in 2017, 2018, and 2019 with a lot of voters actually voting Democrat, particularly suburban women who were voting for a lot of Democratic candidates, particularly women Democratic candidates. So there definitely is the opportunity for us to get a lot of those voters back, but 
even with me, I disagree with the notion of we should be trying to win back the white voters that swung from Obama to Trump. I'm all about expanding our base. Mm -hmm. And the base for the Democratic Party is a rising American electorate, which is women, young women, women of color. Mm -hmm. If we want to win, we need to turn out more of those people. We need to be speaking to those people. And then it really doesn't matter how much of his base turns out. Our base is bigger. So for me, that's the focus that Democrats need to have in 2020. Okay. And um, it seems like politics is such a psychological game. Like, it feels mm-hmm. like very psychological in the way that people look at it. Like, even hearing you say about the people who are like, oh, we know that he's crazy, but we, we're already on this wagon, so we're just going to ride it out. It's like they mm-hmm. don't realize that they can go the other way. Yeah, there absolutely are those people for sure. There's people who are going to vote Republican no matter what. There are going to be those people that vote Democratic no matter what. But we have to realize the average person only spends five minutes a day thinking about politics. True. Yeah. So what are the ways that we can educate more people on politics? I mean, obviously, your podcast is a great one. And, you know, just what how can we like get this out into the open more? One of the things that we have to do is let people know that regardless of how we feel about politics, if we don't like it, it's messy. Oh, I can't stand any of those candidates. Politics fuels our daily lives. Everything that you wake up and do has a political element. If you are able to get out of bed and turn on a light, that's politics. The road that you drove down on, that's politics. Mm -hmm. The place where you work That is politics. So even if you don't like politics, politics is in you in every single way. So we really do have to start talking about it and the potential impact and realize that for a lot of people, too, in black and brown communities is just our disengagement from politics is why things haven't changed. I sit in a position where I literally see how electing women changes cities, changes communities, because I look at the policies that they enact and they overwhelmingly benefit women, young women and girls. So the best thing that we have to do is realize that we have to get engaged. We can no longer sit on the sidelines, especially at this point that we're at in the country. I mentioned that Trump is going to have a long lasting effect with judges. So we have to make sure that we are getting people elected who will really legislate around the issues that we care about. So that's really the first step and making sure that you're voting, but also getting involved with that candidate that you really care about and talking about them as well. You know, one of the sayings is democracy is not a spectator sport, and it's absolutely not. And we have to realize in 2020 and beyond, we have to get seriously engaged. And you can find fun ways to do it. You don't have to watch MSNBC. You don't have to be watching (laughs) CNN all the time. Politics can actually be fun. And on our website, we have a list of brown girl friendly organizations that people can get involved in that are very welcoming to us. And they do a lot of great fun work. That's great. We're going to link to that in the podcast page. One last question before we let you go. Do you think we'll ever have a woman president? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We are going to have a woman president. I think it would be very silly for Biden not to put a woman on the ticket. And I think 
he will most likely only serve one term. And I think the hope would be for that person to be the front runner for the Democratic nomination. And even if that doesn't happen, again, like with women, she's electable if you vote for her. And I'm just really excited for the day. And even with all of the women that we had running this cycle, even though they're not at the very top of the ticket, they made such a strong impact on encouraging women to run for office. I think about Senator Warren and all those pinky promises that she made. I can't wait until like Emerge is just flooded with all of those young girls that want to run for office. I saw how Senator Harris, just the photos of the young girls looking up at her in awe, Mm -hmm. they have definitely left a legacy as well. And that legacy will lead to a woman president in the future. Nice. Okay. Thank you so much, Ashanti. I really appreciate it. We we are very, very grateful. Um, you guys can follow Ashanti uh, at Ashanti Golar, A-S-H-A-N-T-I-G-H-O-L-A-R on Instagram. Just wanted to make sure I spelled that right. And she's also the host of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics. So please look up that podcast. And that is also on Instagram at the BG Guide. <laughs> Thank you, yes. Ashanti. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, ladies. This was fun. Thank you for having me on. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I learned a lot. Same. From from her. First of all, I did not know there were 520,000 positions um, to be politically filled at any given time. So that was really eye opening. I had no idea that it was there were that many people. 100%. Yeah, no. Well, because you always think about like who's currently running right. and also who's the loudest. I feel like that's a really big thing in politics is like, who is the loudest? Who's making the biggest splash? Who's making, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, and then the media, I mean, the me- I really wish, and I know it's impossible, but I really wish that the media could just like get out of politics. Right. Like if there could be just on a smaller level of like information and so people can stay informed and aware, but like, objective right like is there a way for i mean literally i mean fox news was created to push the republican platform Mm. straight up the conservative platform so it's like is there a way that this can become illegal almost i mean as i mean i I don't know if that can happen in a capitalist society because everybody serves a specific master at the end of the day um that master is munty Money, (laughs) at the very least, it's just money. But yeah, Yeah. like all these big media conglomerates um, have their own interests just based on like who writes the checks. That's true. So, And it it actually, speaking to her, made me feel better because I am one of those people a lot of times where I will vote. I always vote. Every time I've been able to vote, I do. But I always feel like it doesn't matter. Like I always assume that I go and I vote and then like, or I fill out my ballot. You know, here in Oregon, we can fill out the ballot, mail it in or drop it off. I just assume somebody just takes all those ballots and like tosses them in the trash. (laughs) Like I know that, like, I know that's like not right, but... It it just feels like that. Like, it legitimately sometimes feels like that because I'm like, they didn't even hear me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm taking my time to read what all of this means. And I don't have kids yet, but I'm like looking at the school district stuff. And I'm like, oh, no, we don't need to do that. And, you know, fill out the ballot. And then all of a sudden I'm like, nothing, nothing I ever vote for wins. Really? It feels like nothing? it. Well, maybe some things. There's some things for sure. But, Are you um, sure you're mailing them back? 
I am mailing them back. I mostly give them to Annalisa and then she just like, you know. Drops them off. Yeah, drops them off. Yeah. Which is also a really great thing. I think shout out to all the people who are in the communities and actively making sure that people are voting and that people are dropping off their ballots, like especially older people who can't get around or can't get out. I think that's super important. And we're definitely going to post the link to Emerge and make sure that everybody knows how that they can how they can volunteer. I mean, she said there are several fun ways to volunteer. I'm going to look into that as well because um, it is super important. And also, if there are people out there who do have aspirations of running for office, I mean, it, it does seem very intimidating. Yeah, it does. But it seems like there's a lot of opportunity now. For sure. Especially knowing that you want to get in there and change things while you can because there's people now in office who are going to be there. She mentioned for like 40 to 50 years, especially oh in those like... Um, permanent positions unless something Mm. should happen to them (laughs) we're not saying anything for the record (laughs) i'm not gonna run up on anyone (laughs) but you know next thing you know we're like uh oh on she goes is surrounded um we say all that to say you know yes definitely get out vote and if you are interested in politics and you you do have a voice and people want to hear it and i also think that there's definitely a chance where people are just going to get more and more fed up i I think that yeah i think that people have forgotten how to channel that anger with action Mm -hmm. um a lot of people hide behind the keyboard they do there's a lot of twitter warriors who won't go to the polls Mm -hmm. um so you have to figure out how to get involved especially and particularly on a local level because the local change is the most important to you and will be most important to you in your everyday life. Agreed. Couldn't have said it better myself. Wouldn't Thank have said you. it better myself. Because <laughs> you are a goddess. I do what I can. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, please don't forget to check out Emerge America. Um, it is very important. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Sometimes I turn down, I'm busting.